as John Mark. So you have Matthew, a tax gatherer, Luke, a doctor, then you have a teenager or a young adult writing the story of Jesus. He was not an apostle, he wasn't a professional, but he wrote the, the, the biblical account of Jesus from a unique perspective, from a young person. And of course, John, he's unique to himself. He was, the, he was Jesus' best friend. So who would know Jesus better than, other than the Father, his very best friend, the one who was, we call the beloved. So you have Matthew working for the government as a tax collector who became an, a, an apostle. You have a doctor. You have a young adult. And then you have a beloved best friend. Now, think, so when you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about Jesus, you're looking, you're reading from those perspectives. It's the same story, just a different view of that story. I read about this uh, father who had four sons, and he sent his sons to this particular beautiful location he was, they were to go to this certain place, write about what they saw, and come back and give a report. So the first son went, and he came back, and his story was, this place is the most beautiful place I've ever been. Flowers everywhere, trees budded out, fruit on the trees. I mean, the blue skies, the... It, the warm breezes, okay? The second son, it came his turn to go. So he went. He said, you know, I don't have the same perspective as my brother. You know, everything here, the, he, he talked about the trees being with fruit and, and flowers bloom. All I saw was the leaves falling from the trees, falling down on the ground. There were no, was no fruit on the trees. The, the, he talked about a warm breeze, but all I felt was this breeze that was sort of cooler, almost cold. And the sky was not blue, but blustery and, and, and windy and cloudy. Well, the third brother grew. Came his turn to go. And he went to this beautiful place after reading about his first brother and his second brother. And here he's, he didn't know what to expect. When he got there, it was like five feet of snow. It was like five degrees temperature. He almost died. Hardly any food to eat. No leaves at all. And he barely survived the trip. He came back and wrote about it. Now, I don't have to describe the fourth brother, do I? What did I just describe? The same place, four people went, but one went in the winter, one went in the summer, one went in the spring, and one went in the fall. You see what the different perspectives will say when it comes to life and to living? Your grandmother has her perspective about life, doesn't she? To our young ladies. You know, you're, if you talk to your grandmother, boy, she could really tell you about some stuff. And you're like, really? Really? What? 
And then you talk to your mother. And your mother said, nah, now you can't listen to Granny, okay? You listen to me, I'm going to just lay it out here and, you know. And then, of course, you, you're like, Granny? Uh, mother? Really? Let me tell you how life is. And then one of these days, if it's the Lord's will, maybe, you, or it might even now, you could talk to a little sister. Maybe you've got a little sister that's way younger than you. You talk to her and she's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Mother doesn't know what she's talking about. And Granny doesn't know what she's talking about. It's perspectives. Now, in Acts chapter 8, there's a man named Philip who is a preacher. He's sort of a deacon or special servant slash preacher. Okay? Philip is in this city called Samaria. Now, like if you had a map up here, you'd see a Galilee and the River Jordan and the Dead Sea and the Mediterranean Seas over here, you know. You get, if you know your, if you want to look in your back of your Bible, some of them have maps in there, you know. I'm just describing it like this. But if, you're a, if you know anything about maps, you can kind of see that in your, in, in your imagination, right? Now, up here in Galilee and uh, Judea, it's right up here by the Sea of Galilee. Well, and then down here is Moab, Ammon, the Ammonites are down here and the, kind of the wilderness. Right in here is this place that's a mixture of people called Samaria. And those people needed to hear about Jesus. They needed to hear about Christ. So Philip was down there in Samaria preaching that Jesus was the, the Savior. And people were, were believing in Him. They were being baptized in Him. Just going and coming. I mean, the ministry was just fantastic. And I mean, any preacher, you know... If, if you're in here and you're a preacher or maybe an elder, you, you know how that is. You're like, wow. You go home and you're like, yes, the following people are now Christians. And you just start naming them. Oh, what is God going to do tomorrow? I can't wait to get out there and preach. So he's out there preaching. This fellow named Simon, who was a magician, a sorcerer, he also became a Christian. And then... The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8, a few verses, about middle ways through the chapter, that God spoke to Philip. And he said, I want you to leave Samaria, go down here in the middle of nowhere, and I want you to talk to one man from a country in northern Africa called Ethiopia. There's a man in a chariot going from Jerusalem through Gaza. It's a, a strip, uh, like a going between mountains. And he's going home back to northern Africa to a, a, a country called Ethiopia. Now this man is not just anybody. He is the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia. Her name is Candace. Okay? So, now this is not just any man, he's a nobleman from this country in Africa called Ethiopia. So, 
I mean, I can imagine what Philip thinks. Now, wait a minute. You want me to leave this great ministry I have? To go down here in the middle of nowhere and talk to nobody? Well, I don't know that he said that. The Bible doesn't tell us. But, you know, as a preacher, I'm like, you want me to leave this great ministry and go down here to talk to one man? And he's not even going to stay around. He's going to Ethiopia, northern Africa. Of course, what do you do? Philip did what he was supposed to do. He said, I'll go. So he took off down to, to Gaza, which is in the middle of nowhere. And sure enough, here's this man in his chariot, and he's got a scroll. You know what a scroll is? It's not a codex. It's not a codex. It's like a book. It's a binding. You know, we have the Codex Sinaiticus, which is one of the first Bibles. Well, this, this they didn't have, uh, like, this would be a codex here. But it has a binding on it. It's a book. They didn't have books back then. They had scrolls, which is like on animal skin or parchment, that kind of thing. So, you know, they roll up. You roll this one back and roll this one out like that. Okay? So this man, we think, from Ethiopia is reading a book of the Bible called Isaiah. And he got to this place where, where Isaiah was prophesying about this person who was going to come and save the world. Now, he was reading that, had this question look on his face, I guess, because Philip saw him. He said, well, that's the man I'm sent to. And he said to him, do you understand what you're reading? And the, this Ethiopian nobleman yelled down, well, I, I can't understand this, this scroll how can I understand except someone help me understand, guide me? And so, you know, I don't know what exactly the conversation was, but Philip somehow got up in there with him because he said, you want me to explain it to you? Well, come up here. So they continued on, and the Bible says there in Acts chapter 8 that Philip, the preacher, began at that same spot and preached to this Ethiopian nobleman, Jesus. And they, as they went on, somehow or other baptism must have come up because the, the Ethiopian nobleman said, as they passed by this lake or river or pond or whatever it was, here's some water. What hinders me from being baptized? And of course, Philip says, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe with your, all your heart, you may. And of course, we know if you read Acts chapter 8 that they, they stopped and Philip and the eunuch, this Ethiopian nobleman, went down into the water. He was baptized and this Ethiopian went on his way rejoicing. Okay. The Spirit of the Lord called Philip away and we don't know anything else about him. Now, come forward... Uh, 1,800 years. From A.D. 70, 65, let's say. Couldn't be eighty, maybe 70, but around A.D. 65 to 70. Come forward to 
2016. Three years ago. Are you with me? We just talked about A.D. 65. Now we're in A.D. 2016. Archaeologists were in this town called Adua, Ethiopia, June of 2016, in a monastery 7,000 feet in elevation where it's cool. They found one of the oldest Bibles in existence. Written and illustrated with pictures on goat skin. This is June of 2016. That was three years ago. This Bible is priceless. It's 14 inches wide, 16 inches tall. You, if, you, if you Google it, guys, Ethiopian Bible or uh, Adua, Ethiopia, if you Google that, not right this second, okay? <laughs> but later, you'll see this Bible is discovered. And it's, there's, and it, you, you can't find out all of it, but there's, there's three gospels, the, the four of gospels are in this book. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Illustrated pictures. Still color. Because it's, it was kept in the darkness at 7,000 feet above sea level where it was cold. So it's beautiful on goat skin. How did a Bible get in Adua, Ethiopia, and it's been dated to the 3rd or 4th century, which means this book was written between A.D. 200 and A.D. 300. And the Ethiopian nobleman became a Christian in about A.D. 65. Is it possible that one of this, you know, one time I, I, I talked about the Ethiopian nobleman who was a eunuch. Now, if to our young people may not know what a eunuch is, ask your parents. But a man was, could be born a eunuch. A man could also be made a eunuch. Or a man can make himself be a eunuch. And a man can make himself be a eunuch either figuratively or literally. Most of the time when a king hires someone or has another man to work with his queen, he's a eunuch. Because then that way the king can be assured that the man who's working with the queen minds his P's and Q's. Now, we don't know much about the Ethiopian nobleman who was a eunuch and treasurer under Candace the queen. We don't know if he was a eunuch figuratively or he was a eunuch literally. Literally. 
We don't know if he was a eunuch from birth or whether the king made him a eunuch. I said one time that he went back to Ethiopia and talked to his wife about Christ. And I had one of our Christians ask me, well, now you know a eunuch can't be married. And I said, oh, I disagree. Now you know a eunuch can't have children. I disagree with that too. A eunuch can be a eunuch and have had children before he became one. Right? I don't think I would appreciate having becoming a eunuch as a part of the job description. But that's something for a later thing. But aside from all of that, could it be that Philip preaching the gospel to this man who was from Ethiopia, who went back home to Ethiopia, less than 200 years later, wrote a Bible only to have it discovered 1,600 years later or 1,800 years later. Now that's a lot of questions that we'll never have the answers to. But there's a Bible that was discovered in 2016. We don't know who wrote it. There's some names pinned in it, but we don't know who, what the name of the Ethiopian nobleman was. We know the queen's name was Candace, but we don't know what his name was. You see how God can work in anything down through history? As long as you and I stay with Him, one of the huge things about American Heritage Girls is their motto, their goals of having God at the center of their life, at the center of their relationship and their relationships. And I hope that will continue. I know it will continue as long as the Waterson Trail Congregation is involved with the program. And I figure it will continue as long as the American Heritage Girls have their leaders focused on God. God is good. He sent us His Word. And for whatever reason, this one book has been protected for all these years in the mountains of Ethiopia where no one has ever seen it. Only God can do something like that. Whatever issue you're facing or I'm facing, God can see us through it, can protect us, preserve us, provide for us, and help us. And He'll help you. We just don't give up on Him, do we? We may not see Him, but He certainly sees us. There are times we may not feel Him, but He certainly knows who we are, where we are. We just stay with Him. Okay? Here at Waterson Trail, we offer, all, always invite people to have a response to what they're experiencing in their life. A response of, 
of what do I do now? We sing a song. Sometimes somebody will come forward and sit on one of these front pews and say, you know, I need prayers or I have a question or, you know, I'm not a Christian and I want to be one. Or I've always believed in God, but I've never done, I haven't done what God said, but I want to now. That could be you. We also challenge each other to make a positive response to God inside ourselves. To say, you know, God is. He loves me and I need to love Him. And I'll do that. This book that He sent us called the Bible, it's not scary. It is a lot of words. But you don't have to know it all today. You just know it all a little bit, a little bit at a time. You know, I've been studying and reading the Bible since I was a little boy. And I, there's still things that I do not know. And there will forever be things that I'm learning about life and about God and about His book, the Bible. And I'm gonna, but because I keep learning things, that makes me even want to learn more. And I hope you'll be that kind of learner too. To always want to be stronger and better and more knowledgeable so that you'll be able to serve God better and help people who are searching. Whatever response you'd like to make, you can do that as we stand and we sing the